I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest reminds us that at any given time, your team members should be able to ask, where am I in regards to their performance and understand your perspective on how they're doing. Joe Barrett is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Duramark Technologies. Duramark provides labels for industrial manufacturers whose products and equipment are exposed to harsh environments. Joe has a reputation for bringing a high level of integrity to the senior level sales positions he's held throughout his career including organizations such as Eli Lilly, Genzyme, Abbott Labs, and Achievement. He models transparency, particularly when it comes to giving feedback to team members. As he says, they work so hard and they deserve it. Joe leads with dignity and grace, as you'll hear in his story. Check it out. I have been in uh, sales and marketing roles my entire career mainly in uh, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, and or biotech. Um, and I got there uh, shortly after college with an opportunity um, to get into healthcare, something I always wanted to do. And from there, was fortunate to have a variety of opportunities, learn from, from really talented people, both that worked for me or I worked for. And then always was really fortunate in that I was always part of a launch team. So new products, best in class products, certainly not me too products. So we were um, market differentiators, market disruptors. And through that, I also noticed that I had a real passion for uh, new launches, new ideas, new strategies. So I would describe myself as a person that if it gets into the the mundane, the day-to-day, um, that's probably where I, I start itching for that next opportunity, whether it be a new product launch, um, new project, significant project, et cetera. And so I say all that because um, where I am now at Duramark Technologies, it's a company that I knew well. I knew when it was an idea um, through one of my best friends when he had the idea. And so watching that company mature from idea on the back of a, of a deck and talking about it to them needing new leadership in the sales and marketing so they, they could um, recoil, if you will, and launch that next stage of growth. I was surprised but excited that I was going to leave healthcare and get into an industry that I was totally unfamiliar with. But again, it had the core elements of new, exciting, and a market differentiator. And so that's when I ultimately decided to make the jump uh, and join Duramark Technologies. Great. And how long have you been at Duramark now? Just four years. Okay. So this theme of new, you you love to create and build, it sounds like. When did you learn that about yourself? It was probably um, through the the early part of my career, again, mainly because I was just really fortunate and blessed to be working with new product launches. So my assignments always took me to early on in my career, new product launches or, or new projects. And I, I just found that I really uh, enjoyed that. The education process from introduction uh, of, of the new, new product I really like the education to the marketplace or and or the education of people on a team 
relative to the goal we were we were going after. I, I just like that newness, and I guess probably more more bluntly stated, I, I liked having a lot of different things going on at once, and the end probably wasn't well defined, but we were going to figure it out together. Mm-hmm. A lot of unknown, for sure. Well, that's helpful context. Thanks for that background, Joe. Throughout your career, you've had a lot of great experiences, a lot of newness, as you've just described. So no doubt there have been some challenges that you've led through along the way. I mean, isn't that what leadership is? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So we'd love we'd love to dive into a pivotal moment or a challenge in your career that taught you a lot about yourself and your leadership. Is there any particular moment that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it. it's a, helped me identify the core of, of who I who I am, or people have helped people along my journey have helped me identify the core that I would attribute to the pivotal moment, and that's really just working with people for people, and and having people that that have worked on my team over the years or on my teams. Just really the importance of being very transparent and honest with one another. You know, simply put, it's I've, I've, I've come to realize that people work way too hard. You know, if you hire talented people and, or, and surround yourself with talented people, people work way too hard or so hard that they deserve to, to understand your opinion of that work that they do every day. Um, if, if you're going to if you're going to be successful, that leads to difficult conversations, exciting conversations. Uh, happy conversations, but it's, I think just at its core, it's really being honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. And, th- and that can take on many different uh, facets and, and take in many different directions. What impact does your relationship have on your level of transparency? I mean, I suspect with a new team member, for example, you know, you're going to take time to build trust and relationship. So what impact does the relationship have? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the relationship's key and it's, it's, I, I can't remember where I read it or who told it to me, but there's that storming and norming process that a new team or a collection of people that are collaborating on something that they go through. And so I think it's really important when you're in that storming phase, just starting to come together that to your point, you're not, you're not premature in, in assessing, premature in judging or premature in identifying. So all that back to your original question, it helps if you aren't premature to to establish a strong relationship that I think sets you up for success. I think sometimes we do it, we we make too quick a judgment when we haven't seen enough of the picture or enough of the situation. Yeah, that's good. So transparency on the heels of you have observed and assessed and are in a good position then to to share your honest perspective. Yeah. And it may, it, it, it may ultimately be wrong, <laughs> but as long as you're open to putting it out there and having a discussion, I think that's very healthy for everybody. Yeah, no doubt. And builds trust then in that relationship, doesn't it? Cause they know where you're coming from. Right. Yeah. What situations in your experience, Joe, what situations are most important for transparency to exist? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, I think it's, ironic that the time of year that we're talking, I'll answer that in two different ways. Um, you know, this time of year, you're doing the, the annual performance reviews or looking back over the year. So I think these are critical times to have that transparent conversation. But 
as we as we all know, there shouldn't be a surprise in these year end conversations. So that's the other piece of it that I would say is the it's the probably the informal moments along the way, the informal talks throughout the year. If I look at a year in review and the important the importance of being transparent there, I think that's really helped me and helped the people around me through my career. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So when it comes to performance, for certain, that way uh, employees know what your perspective is. There are no surprises when you get to the annual review. What about, so what about the the flip of that question? I, I, I want to get at timing around transparency and openness. And you've already addressed that a bit with your comment around like first assessing and observing, observing. But I have a lot of times, you know, I will hear leaders say things like, well, you know, there are some things you just need to keep to yourself. Like you don't need to share everything. And, you know, particularly as it relates to sharing financials, I, you know, I know a lot of business owners kind of share the perspective of like, well, they don't really need to know that. So from your perspective, are there, are there situations in which, yeah, you don't, you don't need to share everything. Like when, when do maybe, when do you withhold some transparency? Well, the first part of that question was timing. I, I think it's important to, to give it as timely as the situation allows. So the more, the more accurate or the more instant, if you will, again, it's just a conversation. Um, the, the more instantaneous you, you can give feedback as it relates to timing. I think is important. Again, I think a lot of times we pause because we go, this is not going to be a comfortable conversation uh, or comfortable feedback. This could be difficult. But again, I think you owe it to people uh, to do that. And I think um, most of the time um, you'll be better for it. Everyone would be better for it. As far as holding back. Yeah, I think that's situational. I, I don't know that there's a one size fits all answer. I think certainly the financial example that you bring up um, would be one that that would be in times uh, obvious that you shouldn't be sharing that. So I think it's all situational and depends on the topic. But I think if it's specific to a person, I always err on the side of more transparency because, again, they've invested in you. They've invested in your company. And as an investor, I think I think I've always felt like I owe it to them to have this conversation. Yeah. So when it comes to the relationship, when it comes to leading a team member, yeah, we, we've got to care enough about him or her to be honest with our perspective around how they're doing. They deserve that, as you've said. So then let's, let's dig into that a little more. Because as, as you've said, Joe, a lot of leaders struggle with that. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't know how they're going to respond. <laughs> so what feedback do you give to, to new leaders in, in doing that? What, what suggestions do you have for how to give feedback? Well, first, let me say, I, I wouldn't say that... Um... I've always been good at it. I think, and maybe I'm still not. I think I, I forced myself at some point uh, along the way to step out of my comfort zone. The comfort zone would be don't say anything, right? Don't have this conversation. Avoid, avoid. Um, but at some point, and I can't remember exactly when or where, but early on in my career, I forced myself to step outside of my comfort zone. Um, and that's what I would suggest to people. Because it's just it's just the right thing to do. And an example of that would be, and again, I know we've we've all read this, we've all learned this, educated, et cetera, on the importance of feedback. And then it's 
too often, I think I've seen throughout my career as a recipient or a, as a facilitator that you're not really getting the real situation out on the table to have a discussion around it. So I, I stepped outside of my comfort zone many years ago and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to put this out so that not only am I verbally giving feedback, but I'm also visualizing that. And an example I would give you for that so that the talk track matches the conversation and, and the feedback. And, and an example I would give of that is I, I have routinely drawn a line and said, okay, here's, here's how we perform as individuals there. And I just, you know, it's bell shaped curve or straight line really doesn't matter, but typically in an organization, you're going to have performance and it falls out that five to 15% of your people will be underperforming maybe on a project or, or in general, 70% will, will be successful. And I know that's a word most of us don't like is the word successful because it, a lot of people think that's a C if we go to our school days, but it's not at all. And then the other five to 15% are going to be exceptional performers. So I would literally draw a line and say, okay, here's our performance line. And I would have the individual on the project or in the review do the same thing. And then I would say, okay, without showing each other, we're going to put a mark where I'm going to put a mark where you think you are, where I think you are. And I want you to put a mark where you think you are. And then we show our cards, if you will. And by doing that, it, it forces the conversation because whatever words have been spoken up to that point may or may not line up to where we've assessed visually. And I've found that to be very open, honest, and the way to kick off that conversation. And I think you should be able to do that at any point in time throughout the year or throughout a project life cycle. Just just again, to let somebody know, hey, here's how I think you're doing. Or they in turn, through some of the, the best teams I've had, can come to me at any point in time and say, hey, here's how I think I'm doing. Are you, are, are you seeing this the same way? Well, and it's such a good visual of your level of alignment. I mean, that's what I see all the time with leaders and team members is just, there's a disconnect there around their perspective. So what a great visual way to depict that, what we're thinking. How does that typically come out for you? Like, do people usually rate themselves lower? I mean, do any rhyme or reason to how that comes out? Yeah, I mean, as you would suspect, I think the more humble person, <laughs> the more the more they will be probably less than where you where you would put them, and the the less humble they're going to be a little bit higher. But that helps you course correct. Uh, again, I mean, when you when you put it down and you say, "There's there's there's my indicator of where you are and here's your indicator of where you are what we've been saying um, is not matching what um, what we're seeing and so we need to have that conversation who goes first um, well we do do it simultaneously and then um, so one two three go and then we show it <laughs> yep do it simultaneously and then we show it now to be to be clear I've been on the receiving end of that too, not not as formal as I'm saying, but I've been on the other end of it where I was like, "Ooh, I thought I was doing a much better job than than you think I'm doing." So again, the importance is let's have that conversation, um, and so I can understand where where our gaps are. Well, and what I love about that too is it avoids that surprise that you talked about earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, earlier in the week, I was coaching an executive who had just gone through a 360. And so his his boss, the CEO, had given feedback as a part of that. 
And he just, he was blown away at the disconnect between his perspective and his bosses. And he's like, gosh, I thought we had a good relationship, but man, he gave me some really low marks. Yeah. And I thought like, yeah, they're not, they're not having that conversation that you described. Well, and it's, and it's as, as unfortunate as those situations are, it's, it's an opportunity to, to understand. Um, I think the worst thing that you can do is just support what you're hearing and not, and not support your own opinion. That's, that's the, you know, that's a leadership cop out in my opinion. Yeah, definitely an opportunity. Cause, cause just in the example that you described with the visual, yeah, you, it's, it's right in front of you. So it sets up a conversation, which is the real value. Yeah. Because I mean, in, in reality of it is you can be saying this, you know, you can, in a conversation, you can, it can feel like, oh, we are completely aligned. But then when you say, okay, let's put that on a grid. Let's, let's see where we, where you think you stand and where I think you stand. And then that, that lets you know instantly, hey, our talk track is not matching this. And so where, where's the disconnect? And sometimes it can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a good thing where if somebody rates themselves or sees themselves as underperforming or underperforming relative to where you see them. And obviously that's, that's a, that's a good conversation as well. Yeah, a lot of good insight can come out of that, can't it? Absolutely. Okay, so here's so here's another thing I want to jump into. Sure. I hear a lot from leaders. Well, it's easy to give Bob feedback because he's open and he's coachable. But man, when it comes to Sue, I so shy away from that because she gets so defensive. So unfortunately, it's like, wow, so just because of the reaction of the team member, you're not giving feedback. And I can so relate to that. I, I know that I have fallen into that. So talk through that. What do you do if you've got a defensive team member? <laughs> uh, well, I can think of a, of a couple of examples um, to that because you're, you're so right. Uh, the easy thing would, would be to not have the candid conversation or, or to, to avoid. And I, it's just the wrong. It, it, it may delay um, the situation for a moment for that point in time, but I've never seen that work out well in the long run. So I am of, of the opinion that you, you again, step outside of your comfort zone, have that conversation as necessary, and you're candid because one, it's necessary, and two, it's a good coaching moment to possibly show other individuals that are difficult to talk to how that can be done. And you begin to, you know, in, in best situations, you begin to erode that wall of not wanting to accept feedback or not being open to it. If you if you if you're consistent with it, then I think you have an opportunity to, to erode that and hopefully see that reciprocate or, or have them be open to it. Now, it's not easy and it's tense, stressful, et cetera. But I think it pays off huge in the long run. I mean, I've sat I, I can remember specifically to your question, I've sat in those conversations, one in particular that I'm reminded of where it was total silence because the um, for, a, for a pretty good period of time, because the topic we were on was area to improve. And, and I was looking for this individual's area to improve. It wasn't up to me to name it. Certainly, I had some suggestions, but I wanted to see their level of assessment and ownership to an area to improve. And we sat in silence for a long time. But it was it was the right thing to do. It was intentionally uncomfortable because we just had to get it out on the table. Well, and as, and as you've said, like that builds trust. That builds trust. One, one would hope for sure. 
there's a great book called Thank You for the Feedback. And it was written a few years ago. But what I love about the book is so much of the time, you know, when when we're talking with leaders about the importance of giving feedback, we put all the focus on them as the giver. But what the research in this book shows is the most important part of that giving feedback equation is the receiver. And so the the whole book dives into how we receive feedback and why it's important as leaders to receive feedback. But, But one of the big takeaways for me was just this whole point of, of course, people would get defensive with feedback. That's such a natural response. Like we all have these triggers and that, so defensiveness is so normal. It just looks different and is expressed different. So even that team member that we think is, oh, so coachable and so good, like certainly they're feeling a level of discomfort and tension, right? So that, so I think, so it was helpful for me that like not, not to withhold good leadership because of how somebody's going to react. I'm not responsible for how someone reacts. I'm responsible for doing my part as a leader in providing the feedback. And like you said, sitting in silence sometimes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so true. So true. And, and again, it's not that they're, conversa- you know, they're not conversations you look forward to. But uh, again, I can, I can think of many of those conversations that I think maybe not immediately there wasn't that hey, this was the right thing to do. This felt right. But certainly weeks, months past, I've more often than not reflected back saying they might they may not have agreed with me at the time or that may have been difficult at the time, but we're better off for it or they are better off. I had, I've had several of those follow-up conversations where it's been, hey, thanks for the feedback. Thanks for that conversation. I know it wasn't easy, but now I've had time to reflect or here's what I learned from that. And I think you rob people if you don't do that. I mean, I think it's just the wrong thing to do if you don't if you don't have that conversation. You rob people if you don't do that. Yeah, and that and that's why in the intro, Joe, I described you as leading with dignity and grace. You know, and I I got that from people that have worked with you, and I hear that in your examples. So, so you're approaching it with with this attitude of like I care enough about you to share my perspective. Thank you. I appreciate that. They deserve that. Yeah, the the couple of key things I'm taking away is certainly your reminder of it, it might not be comfortable, but do it anyways because people to do people deserve it and it's the right thing to do as a leader. And then I really appreciate your your visual of the talk track. I think that's such a simple thing, since it's such a practical, simple way to get out on the table in a visual way, like what what you're what you're talking about. So you can see it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's something I've I've used for a long, long time, and I agree with you. It is it is unbelievably simple, and something that I go to often. I, I just think it's 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 the right compass for for any and all conversations. And the and the fact of the matter is that you could you should be able to do it at any point in time. You know, the old you know leadership one hundred and one. Don't wait till the end of the year. There should be no surprises at the end of the year, and that's exactly what that allows you to avoid. I mean, I always tell people, hey, at any point in time, we should be able to sit down, draw this line and say, where am I? Um, and and I, I owe it to you to tell you where you are. So simple, but yet not, not always the easiest conversations to have, depending on how they're doing. Oh, I love that mindset. At any point in time, we should be able to sit down and say, where am I? And, and get aligned in that. That's great. Joe, thank you so much for being on our show today. If our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? 
Oh yeah, it'd be great. Um, I would, I mean, I, I would say LinkedIn is, is probably the easiest for sure. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Joe. Andrea, thank you as well for the opportunity. Travel safe and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.